This is With a Sanctified Art by Sarah R. I have seen Joy face to face. She was dancing. She took my arm in the crook of hers and spun me around until I couldn't help but laugh. We met in the kitchen with Motown and then again at your wedding. And I ran into Joy in my mother's recipe box. Her handwriting looked like my grandmother's and she smelled like our famous chocolate cake. Once I saw Joy in the street, she was at the parade. There was glitter in the air and a father hugged his son. Joy cried happy tears. And I have seen Joy on the loose, running to keep up with you as you go. Did you know that Joy is looking for you? I know that your heart hurts and that you're not sure if you like yourself. I know that this world is scary and I know that love can feel fleeting. But Joy told me to tell you she's at the door. She delights in who you are. She's inviting you to dance. I pray and pray you'll let her in. I pray and pray and pray. So just a few years ago, I went to an Indigo Girls concert with my sister. The Indigo Girls, who I have loved since high school, I have only seen in concert a few times. And they, after 30 years, have this incredible way of working the crowd, a crowd full of mostly devoted fans who belt out the lyrics to their well-worn and beloved songs. And so here we are at the Orpheum Theater in Boston when I hear it a few songs in. A woman starts screaming at the top of her lungs, Kid Fears! This is her request of a song to be played. The concert goes on, goes on, and by the time we are about halfway through, between every song now, the same woman, about 20 yards off to my left, yells, Kid Fears! More and more emphatically a request that seems to be ignored from the Indigo Girls away, so far away on the stage. And I, ungraciously, feel my own eyes start to roll. I really don't like that song. <laughs> well, I don't dislike it, but the Indigo Girls are on tour for a new album, which means that half of the songs that they are playing I already don't know. And I'm here to sing along to my old favorites, and if they sing Kid Fears, I start to think, my annoyance growing by the minute, that means that the songs that I most want to hear will be bumped off the set list. And Closer to Fine still has not yet been played. <laughs> and the concert goes on, and the same woman keeps yelling, Kid Fears! Her voice getting hoarse, almost sounding desperate between every single song. And no one else has joined her in yelling for this particular song. Which, let me just state for the record very clearly, I want you all to hear this. This is a medium okay way to have your request heard at the concert. It is not an appropriate way to have your request heard at church. Okay? So other people have started yelling out other suggestions at, other, at this point, And my thoughts begin to turn very 
ungenerous to this woman off to my left, thinking things along the lines of, no one cares, let it go, friend. But she yells, kid fears, one more time. And I notice something shift in me. And I realize this song means something to her, something big. And I realize that other people are realizing this too. Now it's getting toward the end of the concert, clear that the Indigo Girls have a well-choreographed, pre-planned set. Assistants are seamlessly swapping out a million different guitars with different tunings for them. And I see them step back away from the microphone, lean over and confer with each other, and come back and begin playing the opening chords of the next song. And it takes the crowd just a moment to realize what's happening as the opening chords of Kid Fears begin to play, a clear deviation from their plan, and the whole crowd just starts screaming in applause, affirming just pure joy, because everyone has realized how incredibly important this song is to her, important on a soul level. This crowd is full of people who have been transformed by one song or another of theirs, and we know this feeling this feeling of our song being played, that song that speaks to you so deeply. And I get chills. I am in complete awe of the vulnerability that this person has helped us create. This sense of intimacy and connection when she shared her heart's longing with the rest of us. And tears of joy well up in my eyes. And even though I still do not particularly care for this song, I sing my heart out. As my sister and I walk out into the cold downtown Boston evening, I ponder my own transformation from annoyance to connection, from dismissiveness to joy. And I say joy here because for me, it was a moment of transcendence, of co-creation of exactly what one of my human siblings needed exactly when they needed it. Now, I will be honest, this time of year, I can start to feel pretty mediocre about the word joy. I will admit I stubbornly try to avoid buying anything with the word joy printed on it in December. Being told to be joyful, even as a Christmas-loving minister, can make me start to feel a little Scrooge-like. Who are you to tell me how to feel decorative throw pillow and seasonal dishware? And who am I to feel joyful when this world is so broken? And I start to get suspicious when we declare ourselves joyful, and I start to wonder if it's a way of masking the pain and suffering that exists in the world. It can seem so saccharine and so sugary sweet and so manufactured, and I am a stubborn person, and even though I might feel joy, by golly, I stage a little internal joy resistance. But this Sunday is the third Sunday of Advent in the Christian tradition of waiting for the birth of Jesus. And it is the week that asks us to contemplate joy. And I've been sitting with what joy could mean for us in this world we live in, this broken, hurting, not so joyful world. When I turn on the news, elected officials are debating whether or not our president has committed a high crime or treason. Brexit continues to divide the EU with undertones of xenophobia and fear. 
Parents are still separated from their children at our borders, and the list goes on. And closer to home, friends, we know that there's just not enough time. We know that people will be missing from the Christmas table this year. Maybe the job isn't working out. Maybe a relationship with a loved one is in tough shape right now. The list goes on for us closer to home, too. So where am I, where are any of us, to find joy in this world and in this season without feeling like we are sugarcoating reality or burying our heads in the sand? Father Michael Himes says that joy is quite distinct from happiness or satisfaction. He says where happiness often comes from externally motivated factors and can be affected much more by hunger or sleep or traffic or an off day, Joy is more of an internal experience, a quality of being that we can learn to cultivate in our life. He says that joy is a sense of genuine rightness about the way that one is living their life. And it can also agitate us, leave us a little restless, the kind of restlessness and discomfort that pushes us forward and compels us toward growth and greater alignment with our life's purpose. And this story for the woman at the concert asking for her song over and over and over is less about her and more about the transformation I experienced in myself because I left transformed. I didn't get what I wanted, which I think would have made me happy, but I got what I needed and I found joy. I got to see an expression of pure generosity from the Indigo Girls and their fans transforming a a moment of my annoyance and self-centered desire into a moment of joy, the experience of seeing someone else get what they needed so deeply. It just felt so right, so joyful. And I realized that in that moment, to witness this, to make room for another person in my own heart, that was what I needed too. And isn't this part of the Christmas message? making room for people who we don't know, who we don't share life experience with, whose songs are not our songs, who express their needs perhaps differently than we would prefer. Isn't this the world that the Christmas story reminds us is coming? And isn't Advent our time to spiritually prepare for such a world, a world where people, we are the people we say we want to be, a people of generosity and connection, joy, and courage. And yet, friends, we know that we do not yet live in this world, this world of joy and generosity and justice and connection. We live in this world, this Advent world, this world of waiting, waiting for more hope, for more peace, for more joy. My friend Elizabeth is fond of saying, the only choice is between imperfect community and no community. And I think, too, the only choice is between imperfect joy and no joy. Researcher and author Brene Brown writes, joy is not an uncomplicated, notes that joy is not an uncomplicated emotion. Joy is actually a very vulnerable experience. It is vulnerable because it means that something is valuable to us, and it often comes in fleeting moments. And joy reminds us that the most valuable things in our lives are so fragile and so so vulnerable. 
Brene Brown says, joy is the most vulnerable emotion we experience. And if you cannot tolerate joy, what you do is you start dress rehearsing tragedy. Dress rehearsing tragedy, she says, is imagining that something bad is going to happen when in reality nothing is wrong. She asks, how many of you have ever stood over your child while they're sleeping and thought, oh my God, I love you so much, and then pictured something horrific happening? Or wake up in the morning and thought, oh my gosh, the job is going great, parents are good, this can't last. Joy is vulnerable. It opens us up to the reality that we are susceptible to heartbreak, to loss. But the trick to staying in joy, Brene Brown says, is to use gratitude as an antidote to foreboding and fear. Brown says that we, when we start dress rehearsing tragedy, this is a moment instead to turn to gratitude and help us stay in that joy. This past summer, my sister and her partner became foster parents. Fostering with the intention not to adopt at this time, they went solely in solely with the goal of fostering for reunification between children in their foster system and their families. And right before Thanksgiving, they said goodbye to the first child that they had cared for long term, a sweet, sweet toddler who had attached themselves fiercely to her. And after almost four months, her case had moved along enough such that it was appropriate for her to be reunited with her family. Her family, who had hit a rough patch this past summer and needed some time to sort things out, but all along, my sister and her partner could see how very well and deeply they cared for their child and how hard the separation had been on both parent and child. And after their foster child went home, I called my sister and I asked how she was doing. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm really, really sad that she's gone. I really miss her, but it, it just feels so right that she's back with her family. I know how hard this was on all of them and how good this will be for her. And the fact that it just feels so right is so comforting to me right now. Imperfect, complicated joy. And so my friends, if there is no joy but imperfect joy, let us be a people who practices imperfect joy. Let us profit, practice that imperfect joy that comes after loss, that imperfect joy that comes despite things not going as planned, that imperfect joy that comes when things are not necessarily going our way, that imperfect joy that is just plain complex because our lives are just plain complex. They are not clean and neat and neither is our joy. Joy comes to us in those fleeting moments, and too often we go out looking for it in extraordinary moments, that we miss it in those quiet moments, those ordinary moments, those moments of contentment and connection, the sense that things are, perhaps for a moment, as they should be. As the spiritual teachers Amy Ray and Emily Sailors of the Indigo Girls sing, the less I seek my source for some definitive, the closer I am to find. So stop looking so hard for joy and let joy find us. So beloved, let us practice joy as a practice of vulnerability. Let us practice imperfect joy, 
knowing that the world is not yet as it should be, knowing that we have experienced pain and loss and longing in our lives, and knowing that the only choice is between no joy and imperfect joy. Let us choose imperfect joy. May it be so, and amen.